Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Grandma, Grandpa Cook was a book published about 20 years ago and in it were the memories and life stories of 40 elderly people, both men and women, both rural and living in more urban areas, who shared both their experiences and also the often simple recipes they cooked using local produce. The book was put together by community artist Evelynia Liang Can, who joins me today in the first half of the programme to talk about that book and its inspiration, and now its successor, also called Grandma Grandpa Cook, again with that older generation who grew up during the war. But this time they're joined by younger chefs and grandchildren. And there's another element to the book. Grandma Grandpa Cook too also has Waste Not Gourmet in the title, looking at how peelings, rinds and leaves that we often throw away can in fact be used in our food. I also talked to photographer Michelle Chan, who was the inspiration for this second book and who creates beautiful images of those rinds and peelings. And Michelle's husband, Francis, who explored different ways of cooking with what are often regarded as waste items, such as banana peel, which, by the way, as I've just looked it up, is full of vitamins and good things. Here's Evelynia Liang Can. It all started with a good friend of mine, Mick, and he's a social worker and he's uh, facing a big problem saying that oh my community have a lot of elderly people that living alone and being forced out of their home what can i do and where was this in autogok it's like you know they said they are very depressed they said that they ever since they came to hong kong or they raised their family is and on that estate, and now the government want to rebuild it and want to uh, push them away and send them to some communal living. You know that they have to live with another elderly person, and they felt really depressed. And I said, well, maybe I can help to make them happy by maybe recording their story and make that story into a theatre book. Uh, production, can I? And then he said, sure, sure, you know. And this is how it all started. We went to this elderly center, talked with the elderly, and then we had fun. We talked about food making, and then they started to, their eyes blink and said, oh, I love to do this. I remember children love this. Oh, yes, I used to do this. And I said, well, maybe we will start with food and their memory of the past. So... I did that with theatre, performance, drama, dance and singing. And at the end of that project, we did have a very good production in the Cultural Museum, in the Heritage Museum in Sha Tien. And I have all this recipe with me, the stories, about over 100. And I said, what am I going to do with them? You know, all these elderly people trust me and give us their life story and give us their recipes what should I do with it so I said shall we make it into a small book and so you know my group my team said yeah yeah sure you know and I said if I'm going to make it into a book I do not want to make it into just a, a ordinary like recipe book you know that people will put on the a table counter and say that oh how beautiful these are all home cooking these are all very simple home cooking I wanted to have a taste of home. And that's it, again, my second concept. 
And somehow I met this、uh, photographer, you know, shooting on the the also the wet market, you know, shooting elderly people on the street selling vegetable. And I'm curious. I said, "Hey, what are you doing? You know, you're taking this old camera." And then he looked at me and said, "That you don't trust me. I'm I can use all this old camera to shoot elderly people, the most beautiful scene in Hong Kong." And、uh, yeah, so that's where the first. Book came about, so but it's also a chance for us. I mean, it's something for the elderly. It's it's、oh, well, these elderly communities, and they're seeing their so many times in Hong Kong that their environment is disappearing. I mean, everything that they've known, the, the, the village that they've lived in, and that structure,、right. yes. and even if sometimes the hygiene or the living standards in a high-rise flat have been better, they've still lost often that that sense of community、yes. and purpose. And I think you've worked any number of times with elderly, also elderly people with dementia, and you、right. strive to to find, you know, their artistic outlet or their singing. And in doing so, you're preserving that heritage for us. Well, I hope so. <laughs> But you know, I think in the Chinese family mind, it's very important that a family sit together、mm. and eat together.、Mm. And this is the most important. Yes, that food culture.、Yeah. Yes, and so in all our sessions, even with the elderly, we always eat. We always eat together, <laughs> and then they are so happy. Yes, maybe just cook us some simple rice congee and put some, you know, pickles vegetable, and it become a beautiful meals because we sit together, we eat together, and then we laugh and enjoy. Each other's company, and I think that's the most important. And I want to bring this idea into the book: is together, even as simple as a bowl of congee, but we are together and create memory together. So this is how the first grandma, grandpa. Cook book came about. So I mean, the thing to establish is whilst people can read it and find out about how to make things, this is not a conventional cookbook, is it? No, it's not. It's a oral history. <laughs> That's why the first book came out and somehow make me in, into a very famous person. That you know, people say that oh, you cook well. I said no, I don't cook well. It's just I use food to connect with people. The first book got the international gourmet prize in France. And CCTV China came down to Hong Kong to film me working with the elderly people in Hong Kong about food cooking. And so even now, when I travel to China, people will say, "Oh, this is the granny that you know that used to cook." And I said, "No, I'm I'm not used to cook. I just I just connect people with food." Following on from that first book, and the concept was going, you know, so you went to a variety of communities. And you had these generational stories of,、right. um, which has continued this time with people. And what is a recurring theme with any number of these elderly people is deprivation. I mean, it's making do in either situations of poverty or during the war as children, where there really wasn't much around. Yeah. So a lot of the stories are from that period of time. They they just、uh, tell us all the story, but. They are now all happy, even though they have gone through hard time, but they are happy, and they are they they are happy to tell us their sad story. Now, this is something very actually very therapeutic, is using food as a part of the memory that they look back.
and how they survive, the resilience of hardship become what they are happy now. It's, it's something very strange happening. And when we record down all that story, and when they look at the story, look at the book, flipping the book, telling us about their story, their mind, their heart is full of blessings. They want to use this story and put to bless the younger generation of how they survive. This is the lesson they want to tell us. And so I'm using this book again as not just as a, a food recipe, no. but it's a blessings to our younger generation. If we are going to face hard time, this is how grandpa, grandma survive. But it also it's it's facing hard time, but it's also being very ecological, very, very environmental in terms of and economical in terms yes, of saving your eggshells or your carrot peelings on a very basic level there. I'm not a cook either. <laughs> but also, yeah, how you can reuse um, this food. But did you see, I mean, I what I've enjoyed so far is just that this isn't a story necessarily of elderly people so that they can... Um, so younger, oh sure, there there will be that element. Younger readers will pick it up, and and uh, but there's also this multi generational thing going on where it's grandchildren yes. mixing with their grandparents. It also so important that well for me as a heritage person that these we get these stories down. But it's also for them a sense of purpose, isn't it? Right. It's it's like uh, for the second book it's called Waste Not. It's like particularly when we are facing the twenty first century situation is too many people waste too many things. Economically, environmentally, is like, this is not right. So that's why I'm making this book, is like using our generate the, the grandpa, grandma, even further, you know, generation story to help us to realize that how we have to love the earth. In terms of the types of community people that you well, either came across or knew for the second book. I mean, this is obviously a collaboration of a number of people and it's based. Uh, let's first of all talk about these wonderful photographs that are in there by Michelle Chan. So that was a spur, wasn't it, for this second book? Yeah. So I met Michelle for another like project and she came to me and said that, you know, she wants to study something art therapy related. And I look at her photo and I said that, no, Michelle, I think you don't need to. Your photo already is very healing. And then she sent me a photo of the eggshell and also banana peel. And I look at that and I said that, Michelle, can you work with me? <laughs> and, and you can see that uh, uh, this Chinese character is like useless. And I said, useless is the most useful thing to me and look at this character actually it's useless oh i see and this is how it started useless become so all these peelings all these leftover rinds right yes yeah. it's like you know people would dump it and well, well not exactly for the environmental uh, concerned people they will use this as fertilizer mm. Compost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And for me, is I look at them, they become food. Yes, yes. 
So tell me, um, I know you're not a cook, but um, you're more an artist, but uh, I'll put you on the spot. Give me how, for example, a banana peel was used. Because I work with a lot of asylum seekers and refugees, you know, in Hong Kong and around the world, they show me banana peel curry. <laughs> I taste it and I just love it. And and it's it's just, it's like in India, in Pakistan, this is how people that cannot afford luxurious food. This is their food. There's no reason why we shouldn't eat the banana peel, but it just, so it's softened up through the curry process, is it? Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's, you know, banana peel, I know that a lot of people use it for beauty purpose, you know, oh, to, okay. to rub their face and things. But to eat, I've never. But when I'm working with the asylum seekers, this is their home cook. This is how they survive. And I asked the uh, Chinese herb doctor, and I asked her, is there any nutrition, you know, things about... And then she said, oh, banana peel have the most uh, important vitamins and nutrients and blah, 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 and, and all, all that story. I said, oh, really? And why do we throw it away as compost only or as something to rub your face? Oh no, but we do a lot of daft things like that. I mean, in uh, I'm not sure we have them here, but in England, where I come from, we have dandelions, which are classed as weeds, and we just mow, and yet dandelion tea has all sorts of health benefits. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. We do a lot of that. Right. So you know, I started, you know, so because of that, I start to research on other things that usually we throw away, and usually that people don't use, and then I start interviewing people and asking, you know, well, can you tell me, have you ever, you know, come across this type of thing? And I met a lady, Stella, and then she said that from from year one to year 12, you know, all that she ate on the, her family dinner table is waste food from the, from the restaurant. Yeah, describe, so this is in the 60s and 70s. Yes. Can you tell me about that? Well, you have the interview. <laughs> it's like... But, you know, she's because uh, uh, they come from a poor family and her mother only have one arm, you know, sort of disabled, you know. And then I think they have four children, something like that. And her mom, so every night, will go to this restaurant and ask them to give them kitchen waste. And then she will take it back home and cook beautiful meals. And Stella recalls said that every meal is, is just like a feast. A chicken tail and become the most treasures because actually the chicken tails have a lot of fat and that's the nutrients. And the, the crown of the chicken is like protein and collagen. And so how this how the children survive. But, and they're all healthy and successful, but they always remember how their mom treat them with this beautiful gourmet food, leftover and waste food from the restaurant nearby. Community artist Evelynia Liankan talking there about Grandma, Grandpa Cook Too, Waste Not Gourmet. After talking to Evelynia at a Wong Chuk Hang studio, I headed up on the train line to near Dai Wai to talk to photographer Michelle Chan about her superb images and how she and husband Francis got interested in cooking with items that we usually regard as waste. I am a photographer. I use images to make artistic work. And this is my husband, Francis. The project started actually when COVID just burst uh, in March 
2020 and I had a lot more time staying at home and then doing more cooking because I couldn't go around and taking photographs. So it was more like confined. And I was thinking, oh, what should I do <laughs> in some way? But then I also enjoy the time that staying at home and I spend more time cooking. And then it was like, I don't know what got to me, but there was just one day when I was cooking the very classic uh, the fried egg with tomatoes, the Chinese uh, dish. And then usually I just crack the egg and then throw the shell away. But then I don't know what got into me, but then at that moment I was like looking at the shell and I was like, oh, this is actually quite beautiful. Maybe I should keep it aside and take some photos. So then I start collecting all these things that usually we throw away and we don't eat and I let them dry and, and see what I do with them. And then I start taking photographs of them. I thought, oh, these are kind of interesting and they look beautiful and it got me interested to take more photographs of these. And then it got me looking into more about food waste and the statistics back, I think in 2019, something like that. And it was around like 30% of the waste is actually comes from food. So then that's how I started the whole project. And then because he is actually more of a chef at home <laughs> and also he's more of a meticulous with food. So I started asking him to maybe you do the cooking and then you leave all the you know, waste to me and then I'll construct something and then, and then make the photographs. And then I start showing them on Facebook and then Evelyn saw it and she was like, oh, this is so interesting. Why don't you up and level and then try and use these ingredients and see if you can actually create some new dishes. So then I gave this task to the famous chef in home, <laughs> at home. So he kind of explored different ways of like how we can use, for example, banana peels is actually we can use for curry. And then there was another one that he found was the rind, the lemon rind, the white bit of the skin. If you coat it with bread crust and fry it, it actually tastes like fried pork chop. So it's actually quite tasty as well. So, so then he was more of the the cooking person and I'm the photographing person. So um, my name is Francis. I'm basically the assistant of Michelle. <laughs> so whatever the boss asks me to do, I'll basically just try and find a way to achieve it. I find it quite interesting as well because at that time I was doing a lot of recycle and other stuff with other societies. So the project got me interested. We sort of have more time at home. My business is really, really slow. So, what is what is your business outside? I'm a jeweler, and I have a couple of restaurants as well, but mainly yeah. jewelry. So, but but jewelry has been very, very bad during the COVID period. Oh, so you are a real chef? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, entrepreneur, I would say. I, I don't really get into the kitchen and the commercial world. I just always enjoy cooking, and I've worked in my brother's cafe before when I was little. So I always enjoy cooking, but I always wanted to cook when I have time. I don't like to rush for a meal. So the project works quite well for us. And while we were exploring um, ingredients that we could actually cook, and I've learned quite a bit as well, because I didn't know, say, example, the leaves of a beetroot is actually edible. Um, because in, in the supermarket or stuff, they always pre-pack it, and then you don't see the leaves. Um, so I find it quite interesting and it's quite tasty as well. And the dish Mich Michelle mentioned um, with the lemon rind was really, really good. It does show really what, what we can use in the kitchen. And it also, I mean, not only does saves and, and saves economically too, but it, it also shows how 
these items would have been used in past generations. Yes, I totally agree. Most of the food is really usable, like the skins of a carrot that we usually peel off in Hong Kong. We can use it for a vegetable stock if you keep it in the freezer for long enough. We've got Grandma and Grandpa cook too. The first one was about 20 years ago, but this has an added element of waste, not gourmet. So, I mean, as well as making these discoveries for yourself, there's plenty of people that is the grandpas and the grandmas who are particularly those in rural living or going through the war. They wouldn't have been wasting anything at all. Yes, it's the way they cook and they're quite street smart in utilizing items that they have. And we're still constantly discovering a lot of either in cooking or, or living. Since we moved from a very city area to a rural area, we are trying to adapt into different elements as well. So we find a lot of elderlies have really got a lot of insights in, in living and cooking and utilizing everything. Um, one thing with that come across with the project is that um, a younger generation can access to so much ready-made food or prepped items so so much easier. And we used to say you, you only eat in, when the season arrives, like if it is um, summer, you eat watermelons. But nowadays when you go to supermarket, you get watermelons throughout the year and a lot of different things. So I think it's a good opportunity to um, connect with the elderly or more exper experienced people or people that are interested in it, because not only elderly have such um, insights, there's also younger chefs, younger people that are into the recycle or so-called green sort of aspect. People have a lot of insights in, in using stuff, natural ingredients to solve a lot of problems, not only in culinary side as well. So I think it's really good that we get to meet a lot of these interesting people and learn a lot from them. Your photographs, Michelle, they are outstanding. And it is, it's interesting that the way that you've done, it took me, I mean, I enjoyed looking at them, not only from their artistic perspective, which is, is lovely. A lot of them have a black backdrop and, um, and then you've taken a seed and it takes me a while to work out just the size of that seed. This is, it just looks like crystals. It could be in a cave for me, but it's just beautiful. It's just all this, the light shining off. You know, you're often in the style and the way that you photograph them is magnifying mm. these small elements of food. But can you describe to me the photographic process? Well, first of all, this particular photograph, <laughs> this is actually rice. Actually, it was quite instinctive to choose a plain background. So black was an immediate choice so that it could easily highlight the actual ingredient or the object being photographed. And because I was more into about how food or how the object would look microscopically in relation to Sanso in Chinese, like the, the the mountains and the and the water. So a lot of the magnifying way of photographing them makes me relate to how nature works. So maybe when you're seeing the rice crust, it looks like the crystallized something that you could find in the cave. And then there's another picture of the turnip, the white turnip, and it looks like it's some sort of a painting from afar that looks a Chinese painting from afar. And then there is also, you know, like this one, it looks like some sort of uh, volcano, mm. you know, sides of the volcano. What, what is that? That's actually a sweet potato, mm. a yellow sweet potato. And then 
for like some of them, I put them on the stage, so called the stage, and then I discover different sides of the object to photograph them. Some of them I construct them, so I stage the、mm. the actual work. So for example, ah, this one, the beetroot one.、Mm. So for me, it was feels like a waterfall, and I was just kind of making that kind of、uh, impression. It's a real painting as well. Image, yeah. So that was. Kind of what was going on my mind when I was. So you've got two chopsticks,、uh, which,、yeah. which we see to the right,、uh, mm-hmm. holding up, as you say. The, the, so you've got a bit of beetroot of the red beetroot at the top, and then these cascading leaves coming down. Yes, and then this one—it's、uh, actually the the banana skin, which we kind of peel off, and I made it into looking like a lotus flower or、mm. a flower. Yeah, so it's kind of also. A way for me to play with the objects and see how I can photograph them in a way that we don't usually see them. Yes. So then people, when they look at them, they would kind of wonder, oh, what? It's this.、Or、maybe this is more obvious, the banana skin one. But then there are some of them that may want to kind of wander around and think, oh, what could this be, and things like that. So, yeah, you've you've really you've taken often what can be quite a plain vegetable in a way,、mm-hmm. and and constructed it into like a, an artistic object or <laughs> one that people have to puzzle over,、mm-hmm. and I I think that's a lovely idea. But I think it also, through your photography, is showing an, an appreciation、mm-hmm. of these items from nature, which I think we tend to because of deliveries and and abundance, we take a little bit for granted. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I started collecting these items, I. It, it was interesting also for me to kind of look at it as it evolved, as it dries out. For example, I don't think it's in here, but then I vividly remember the lemon, the half-cut lemon, and how it started to dry up. Do either of you have grandparents that would have that you've looked at what they cooked?、Um, I don't really get to the, get to cook with them. My grandma, but from my memory, she was a really good cook. She can basically make. A meal for twenty-four people easy because we <laughs> come we come back from a big family. Yes, and then she used to make a lot of the、uh, traditional Hakka Yudan fish balls that they got from the, got from the sea, and then they would beat it into a fish ball, and sometimes they mix it with pork, and then you steam it. What so sumai or no? No, it's like a like a fish ball. It's still a fish ball,、right? but steam version.、Mm-hmm. But、uh, the texture is quite different to what you get in in the street. It might not be tasty to anybody else, but for me, it's really a connection to your grandparents. Whenever you eat it, whenever you see it, you can just the image will just flow back, which I think it's important in that way. But、um, I would love to, like, if I'm five, ten years older, I'll be able to go to the kitchen with her and learn a lot from her because I, I can tell that she's a good cook. Well, the confidence to be able to cook for twenty-four people for starters—that <laughs> would terrify me. But, but yes, these these going back to the roots. Now, you were teaching some of the grandma, grandpa generation how to take photos using a smartphone. Yes, for the, for their、oh, own food. So this one, Kwai Chong,、yes. Kwai Chong Creative Arts Center. So this is—I think they have three sessions. This is one of the workshops that I I did. So I think one workshop was. With Siuto and talking about how to do oral history, and then the other one is about me teaching them how to use phone photography to take photographs. And this is another one in in Funlang. Oh, she's Waitao. Yeah. Yes, yes,、yeah. yes. So they actually had a whole workshop 
with me on food photography uh, taking. So they were actually fascinated by phone photography. Um, so these are the White Owl ladies in, in Fan Ling. Yes. I've, I've visited them before for Hong Kong Heritage to talk ah. about bridal laments and, and ah. also the beautiful braiding mm. that they do. So you, you say they were fascinated by phone t photography. Absolutely. They were fascinated <laughs> by it. And then apparently after the, the workshop, they were doing a lot of messages with their like yes. children and, and grandchildren with what they created. For example, this one is Fan Shu Bang that they create at the last session and then so so the fan shubang is the fan shubang is one of their like famous hakka cultural food i think sweet potato pate patties yeah, yeah patties yeah, patties, yeah. yeah my thanks to photographer michelle chan and her husband francis and community artist evelinia liang can talking there on the new book grandma grandpa cook to waste not gourmet both this book and its predecessor are available at Lion Rock Press. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs> <laughs>